0: Right there. A quick message before we start. Don't forget that you can save money this winter when you book your ski hire at IntersupportRent.com and use the code SKIPODCAST. You'll get a guaranteed discount for all ski hire in France, Austria and Switzerland. And to make it even simpler, you don't even need to use that code. Just take the link in the show notes and your basket will automatically be reduced. So... If you want to support the Ski Podcast, remember to book your ski hire with Insport and to use the code SKIPODCAST or take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Right, let's get on with the show. Hi there, listener, and welcome to episode 159 of the Ski Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, We are going to be looking at piece maps, Perhaps not literally, but looking forward to the World Cup racing in Solden and looking back at the National Snow Show. And we're also going to be asking whether you should rent your snowboard in resort rather than buying. Now, my name is Ian Martin. I'd like to introduce my guest today. I'm delighted to welcome two first timers to the show. Uh, Gethin James. Hi, Gethin. How are you?
1: Hi, Ian. I'm good. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: And also Julie Slaughter, our founder of Wipeout. Hi, Julie. How are you?
2: Hi, Ian. I'm good, thanks. Uh,
0: we're going to be asking more about Wipeout a little bit later on in the show, but I always like to start off by asking my guests when you were last on snow yourself. What about yourself, Gethin? When were you last uh, skiing or snowboarding?
1: Uh, it was the first week of the Easter holidays in April, uh family ski trip to uh, Lezac. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great trip. Lots of snow, lots of sunshine. Uh, the only downside was... I was foolish enough to to snowboard with my son Charlie on the first morning. He, <laughs> he'd learnt to snowboard uh, at Christmas time at the left. So, I last time I snowboard was 25 years ago, and um, so I, I said I'd take him out, show him show him what, all the ropes. Oops! <laughs> and kind uh, of misery for me tumbling. I bit my tongue. Uh, couldn't talk for most of the rest of the holiday, and I was I was back on skis by the afternoon. Yeah. You know?
0: Right. Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't sound, uh, ideal. Um, he, he learned to snowboard at the left in Scotland.
1: Yeah. It's, so the left is, is perfect. It's got a, it's got a travelator. Um, and my son, Charlie's a good skier. My wife is as well, but it's perfect for, for Kate and me, the travelator. Cause she skis on rains with me, but the, the, uh, the snowboard lesson was, was brilliant there. Yeah. Uh, so he, he had a two hour snowboard lesson and he, he, he learned really well. So he's, He's just as good as snowboard as a skier now.
0: Excellent. And what time of year were you at uh, the left in Scotland?
1: Between Christmas and New Year last year, yeah.
0: Right. And uh, a good trip. Did it rain at all? Was it highly windy? Oh, or like was it,
1: it... yeah. I mean, we we go to Scotland a lot, and you you have to be prepared not to ski when when you go to Scotland. I have other things in mind. But yeah, it, it was. It was uh, especially Charlie learning how to snowboard. It was it was a, it was a really good trip. Yeah.
0: Cool. Okay. Well, uh, that sounds interesting. I, I'm still keen to uh, get up there. I've skied in Scotland once, but it was a long time ago. Uh, Julie, what about yourself? When were you last skiing? I know you live in France, so...
2: Okay. So, the last time I touched snow was um, September the 18th, so not that long ago. I took the lift up, the, the Flegere lift, on the last day of the summer opening to do a hike up to Lac Blanc. Um, it had been chucking it down with rain in the valley the night before, and to my surprise, when I got up to um, Lac Blanc, it had been snowing. And as much to my surprise as to the marmot surprise, which crossed my path <laughs> when I was up there,
0: it's beautiful up at uh, Lac Blanc, isn't it? Amazing views, uh, you know, looking back over to the, uh, uh, the um, Mont Blanc Massif range.
2: It was stunning, and I had to do it. I've been living here for thirteen years, and I've never been so done <laughs> it now. Um, but the last time I was actually sliding on snow, on skis, I did a ski tour um, up on the Argentier Glacier um, mid-April, so the end of the, the ski season.
0: Yeah, you live uh, near to Chamonix or in Chamonix?
2: Uh, just about 10 minutes down the road in a village called Servos. Um, Excellent. We ski in the Chamonix Valley and quite often up in Saint-Gervais and Megeve as well.
0: Now, my wife was actually out in Chamonix uh, earlier this week, and she was telling me that uh, in the town, which is at a 1,000 metres, it was 26 degrees. It uh, been a little warm for the middle of October just now.
2: It has been exceedingly warm. Yeah, it's been um crazy the weather this like autumn, but today I can report it is chucking it down. Um so hopefully up on the mountains it's snowing.
0: <laughs> okay that's that's good to hear precipitation is the is a starting yes. point lower temperatures are, are the second point I mean just moving on to that snow uh, situation we're going to be talking about Solden where the first world cup race of the season is going to in Europe is going to be this weekend there was meant to be a race in Ladies Alp, a snowboard cross happening next weekend and I was looking at their glacier uh, this morning and it is in a pretty sorry state and they have decided that they are not going open at all uh, this autumn and won't open until December which is pretty disappointing. Now, Zermatt, as a regular listeners to the show will know, is due to be hosting uh, their speed opening downhill races, uh, which are going to be the first ever cross border races between Switzerland and Italy going down onto the Chavinia side. And although the Glacier in Zermatt is in decent shape, on the other side going down into Chavinia, they haven't been able to put on the snow cannons because it hasn't been cold enough. Now, Fiss are giving them an extension until tomorrow, I believe it is. So we might miss out on this as we're recording today Friday the uh, 21st of October to find out whether or not those races will go ahead I have my fingers crossed but my suspicion is uh, that they won't which is a little uh, disappointing but there's plenty of time for the situation to change prior to the normal season uh, which would uh, for most people start in uh, December although Val is due to start on the 19th of November so uh, you know just in a month's time so fingers crossed for that, we'll see we'll see how that goes. I was at uh, the national snow show last weekend in uh, Birmingham and there was a lot of conversation about climate change I did a presentation about electric uh, vehicles but there was a lot of positivity about the season uh, itself certainly the feeling is from uh, tour operators and uh, and retailers that the public is very bullish they're booking lots of uh, holidays it's certainly looking very positive for this winter and listener if you haven't uh, listened already uh, episode 158 is a special from the national snow show, where I talked to lots of people there, including uh, Chemi Alcott and uh, Graham Bell and uh, Mia Brooks, uh, uh, who's going to be competing on the Snowboard World Cup circuit this winter. So you can uh, hear what they thought about the show. Now, I mentioned the World Cup and I've already mentioned uh, Selden. The first uh, World Cup race of the season in Europe is due to uh, start there. The reason I asked Gethin to come onto the show is is it you have been out to solden to watch these races uh, before on in on several occasions is that right
1: yeah that's right Ian. We, we we've been out uh, four times before and, and watched the the races twice yeah um we 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 watched the race last year in the uh, 2021 yeah
0: Firstly, I find it quite interesting that you're going out on a skiing holiday in October because not many people uh, do that. People tend to think, oh, no. yeah, if I'm going to take my family holiday, I'm going to do it between uh, December uh, and April. Is it less expensive to go at that time of year?
1: It, it is definitely less expensive. I have I been mean, listening to your recent podcast about uh, I didn't realize how many families do avoid going in February half term because of the price. It is definitely cheaper than February half term. I mean, we, I was a little bit worried about coming on this morning because my wife and I were joking about this. It, it, it does seem to be the, the Alps best kept secret, especially for British <laughs> because we do go in October and it is a properly proper family ski holiday, which is almost as good as, as going in, in the spring. The, the advantages, the big advantages are it is cheaper. Um, so, for example it's a 5 5 in 7 ski day ski pass which we get at the moment is 258 euros if you ski now in in autumn and that goes up to 340 um in in the winter
0: right so there's already a price advantage and sorry you saying to me that that means that you can ski any 5 days out of 7 is that what that means yeah
1: and it, the the advantage of that is we we've been lucky each time we've gone we, we we've chosen to go and see the races twice we didn't choose uh, two other times because our son Charlie was quite. We went the first time, and he he was, he was too young for it to sit in about for a couple of hours outside. You know, you are drinking, having a beer. But last year, he's ten. He's eleven now. He really enjoyed it. Um, the the beauty of the five and seven ski passes. You can choose to ski in five days, which we do, and you get free access up the mountain on the ski bus. On the day of the races, and you get there free, so you can show your ski pass to the bus driver. And if you don't ski, you can still still ski for another five days, same as the other ski resorts. You can ski on the same day as the races.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, that kind of flexibility is something. I've seen more commonly through ski resorts. I actually gave a presentation this week to some of the sales team from Spider Clothing. And we were talking about consumer trends. And this trend of being able to give uh, skiers and snowboarders more flexibility. Instead of saying, right, you've got to buy a six-day pass and ski every day, to be able to buy these passes where you can choose depending on the weather or what's going on. So that already says, firstly, you said to me it's less expensive. And you've got the flexibility. And when you went to go and watch the races themselves, then did you buy yourself a seat in the stands? Is that how that works, or did you stand? No, no, no. Course? We've never
1: done that. They have they have big benches. It's it's on the 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 Reitenbach Glacier. They have big benches out in front. And uh, we because we're staying in the resort, we can get to the, the first bus and we and we can get there early and get a good seat then uh, within the crowd. And we take a big pack lunch. Take a couple of beers, but we buy some beers and then, you know, there's, there's hot dog stands and other things. You can get into the restaurants and there's, you know, you watch the races. There's lots of free stuff being given out as well sometimes ski vests and coffees.
0: And what's the atmosphere uh, like there? Because, you know, I've only seen because I tend to, you know, watch my ski racing kind of via Ski Sunday. Uh, therefore, I'm seeing Kitzbühel and maybe the Schladming night slalom, and they're pretty lively affairs in the crowd. Is it like that, soldan as well?
1: Yeah, I, 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 I watch them on a the TV. I, I, w- I wouldn't say it's as as lively as those, but it is lively because it's the, it's always the first race of the season. The, the people that come to watch it. Not not many of them stay in the resort, especially for the weekend. where anyway. they, they get bussed in. I, I think they get they catch the train to the and Half. So they come from all over Austria uh, Switzerland France and uh, um, so it, yeah there's it a really good atmosphere that the, the Swiss guy won last year so there's a lot of um, uh, and there was a Canadian guy winning for a little while so there's a lot of um, cheering between the, the the Swiss the rivalry between the Swiss and, and the Austrians uh, and the, the French as well and' the, yeah, there was a lot of singing on the bus on the way back down, so we were singing as Welsh. We had a singing competition with, with the French guy. So, no, it is really good. The atmosphere is really good. Not so not so good for younger children, but once your children get you know past 10, certainly into the teens, it, it is a really good atmosphere. And as I said, we, we, we went there once in 2007. We, we did the racing in 2017. We gave it a break as Charlie got older, but we chose to go last year. And... If again, if it coincides next year, we would choose to go to the to the races again, yeah.
0: And uh, you know, at that time of year then, are most people in the resort to go and watch the racing? Is it quite quiet on the slopes? I'm guessing midweek it's probably very quiet.
1: Yeah, this is the, the booty of it because um you've got Zulden in, in the winter, it's 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 the ski capital of, of Austria, um, certainly in terms of apres ski, and you've got 144k of slopes and it the, but the slopes are quiet. I think sometimes you get three Austrian bank holidays that coincide. So it's worth checking that out when you book when they are, but it's still quiet. But the best thing is you are skiing alongside the ski teams of the world. <laughs> so, we, you know, you know the, the Norwegian, the American ski teams are there um, and you, you are skiing alongside them. So, yeah, so it is it is quiet there. You know, obviously there's not as much choice with the slopes. Um, but, but yeah, you, you, you are skiing where the the best skiers in the world choose to ski at that time.
0: Great. And how do you book that? I'm guessing it's not through a tour operator. There's no package. No. You put that together independently yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we go in the car um, and, we you know, we don't fly. So there's four of us in the car. So we are slightly better than flying. Um, we pack hmm. the car full of... We take our own skis, um, sometimes sledges, but it's not that, you know, there's not that much sledge in there um and and we drive but again the advantage of driving in october if, if choosing to drive now you're not so worried about poor conditions in this country or driving down we drive through germany so there's no tolls and definitely when you get to the alps you don't have to have um snow tires uh, as long as you're before november you can drive all over all the mountain passes so the drive, and you know, if you stop for a break on the drive on the way down, we we drive through the night. We take it in turns, my wife and I. Um, it's it's not freezing cold, and then when you get to the resort, you 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 can you can drive about the resort much more comfortably than if it was February, and you know even more comfortably than the spring as well. So that that is a a, a good advantage. And then we book ski passes online, um, as I say, because Kate's disabled, we book that pass when we get there. And then we book accommodation online, and accommodation is really cheap as well. Not just because of the 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 time of year, but because there's so many places to stay in and So even though I'm on your telling people about it now, I think like like you can see (laughs) on on Wikipedia, there's fifteen thousand hotel, uh, fifteen thousand beds there. So uh, we we tend to stay in the same apartment with the same family each year. But if you, you know, if you do look at booking, you, you, you can get a, a self-catering apartment for about five. And we choose to pay a little bit more now because we're the same with the same family. And then which it's always self-catering because uh, this is an advantage for families as well. The bars and nightclubs that make it the Dapri ski capital of the Alps in, in the winter are not open uh in october but we see that as a good thing you, you get a few bars open the shop all the shops are open so we, we you know we cook our own breakfast we, we make a thing of that and we have packed lunch where we where we you know we make a lovely packed lunch and again same as same as the springtime sometimes the slopes the sun is out so you can sit down and have your lunch on the slopes but they do have sofas inside where you can sit on as well
0: well, I mean, it sounds brilliant. And uh, I know you said, "Getting you're a bit worried that you've uh, let the cat out of the bag and maybe other people will pick up on this. I, uh, while I'd love to think that uh, you sharing that on the ski podcast will mean the resort will be uh, completely overrun, that's probably not so likely.
1: The best thing about it, I mean, we, we tried to ski as a budget family. We pack lunches, the main things we do in the spring, but we're not going now. We're really missing it. So, you know, for families that can afford to, to go more than once a year it, it it really does break up the the big time gap between the the spring and the, and the winter yeah so so we're going to try and go every year from now on
0: great well it sounds like a very clever way to get a second trip in uh, you know at a good value for money and, you know, it helps people if you, you know, for those families who are going once a year, it's very easy for everyone to kind of get stuck on the plateau. And when you start to go twice a year, it can make a, a bit of a difference. So that that is brilliant, Gethin. Thanks so much for that. Now, I actually have a friend of mine, Mike Welby, who is out in Sildon. He hasn't, uh, you know, he's seen the racing uh, yet as a time of recording, but he's going to send me in a report. And if things go well, you're going to hear it now. Well, sadly, I can't drop in that report from Mike, because unfortunately, the Saturday's racing was cancelled due to the very high snow rain line. It made conditions uh, unsafe, visibility was very poor. So uh, that women's race did not go ahead. More positively, the uh, men's race did go ahead on the Sunday, so that is good. But um, I did read that the winner, who is Marco Odamat, described the conditions as pretty poor, saying the snow got worse and worse, which is uh, unfortunate for all concerned. Sadly, I mentioned earlier about the uh, men's downhill competitions that are due to take place in zermatt chavinia uh, News came out over the weekend that that will not be going ahead next weekend, 29th, 30th of October either. They're keeping their fingers crossed, hoping that uh, the women's races on the 5th and 6th of November will be able to go ahead. Again, that's because this weekend did rain. As Julie mentioned uh, earlier, it was uh, chucking it down, but snowing higher up. But unfortunately, that snow line was around 2,600, 2,800 metres higher up. And uh, unfortunately, we all know what rain uh, does to snow. Not very good at all. In more positive news, I mentioned I interviewed uh, Mia Brooks at the National Snow Show. And I am delighted to say that in her first ever outing in the World Cup at senior level, she came ninth in the big air at uh, Chur in Switzerland. So uh, well done, Mia. Uh, Look forward to uh, following your uh, career through the rest of the season. Now, I'd like to move on to yourself, Julie, now. I was very interested to have you on. I'm always interested in talking to people within the ski industry who started their own businesses. And I'm sure plenty of our listeners will be familiar with, with wipeout, but do you just want to give us a, a brief idea of actually what it is?
2: The Wipeout piece map is a piece map printed on microfiber lens cloth. And the idea is that you don't have to grapple with a paper map in the wind and the snow. You can pull your microfiber map out of your pocket, um, handle it with your gloves on, give your goggles a quick wipe if it is snowing. Lucky enough to have some fresh, and then just pop it back in your pocket, scrunched up. You don't need to fold it. And I you've I
0: uh, got uh, over a hundred resorts, I think, featured with the wipeout uh, peace maps. But it's lots of other items as well. It's not just peace maps, right?
2: That's right. When when I first set up in two thousand and nine, um, I I focused on just peace maps. Um, but now um, the store carries a lot more than just maps. I've I've retained my focus on what I think is is fun, durable products, um, and uh, it's open to buy maps and hop and down piece map clothing. Uh, we're also distributing soggle goggles, and um, another thing we've added this year are uh, models made from Lego.
0: Right. Okay. I hadn't seen those on the site. But so you're saying to me, let's say for example, uh, let's overlay largest skier in the world and you know sponsor of the uh, ski podcast i want to get a, a little memento for one of my friends or one of my children. I could, for example, get a, a map of the three valley ski area put onto some socks and give it to them
2: absolutely you can. We've got the three valleys on piece map lens cloth also on socks, would you believe it? gloves <laughs> and even boxer shorts you could have okay as well as
0: okay, and uh, you know how does that kind of thing work? do you need? permission from resorts do you have to persuade them to participate it sounds possibly complicated
2: it is that that is the most complicated part of the wipeout world yes i do need permission um the official maps are produced uh by the resort or lift company and each resort works differently i have contracts in place with it with them all what surprised me at the beginning is that i actually also need a contract with in some cases pierre Novats, the um artist who originally created the background, the snowy, beautiful backdrop, he painted it back in the 60s, yet still retains the copyright.
0: Probably. Now, I seem to recall, I read an article uh, by Colin Nicholson in Ski and Board magazine a few years ago, and it was talking about that actual creation of the uh, piece maps. Is it primarily the same person who's responsible for them then
2: he initially created the backdrops in the 60s he was the first one to come up with that idea and since then they've become more and more computer generated because the, the cost and difficulty of, of recreating it with paint as a painting um is, is costly And um, but they he still is being used to this day and I still have to pay him
0: right okay and <laughs> and are there any um particular... Uh, piece maps that are more difficult to work with perhaps because they've got so many lifts on there that you just can't see the detail or, or, or anything like that
2: well the three valleys as we know which is the largest ski area in the world when I first produced them I made three different maps one for each of the, the main of uh, resorts Meribel, Courchevel and Valteron um, but people were needing to buy three maps so we've worked quite hard Um, it is one of the most difficult to do but we're quite happy with we've just finished it now for this we've literally just finished the layout for the Three Valleys 2022-23 and we we work really hard to make sure that people only have to buy one map regardless of where they're going in the Three Valleys and you can clearly use the map and ski the whole area.
0: Yeah and I mean I'm familiar with with lots of the resorts but uh, for example with the Three Valleys there's always new lifts being upgraded normally but sometimes new lifts are going in does that mean therefore you need to produce a new version every winter
2: yes it does yeah <laughs> I try to be creative with the maps I can no longer sell I turn them into things like babies bibs and that means that if you were going to buy a, a gift there's there's a bit more of a choice of, of things and trying to reuse them
0: and what would be your best-selling uh, resorts then what's the uh, top of the charts
2: so three valleys, um, La Plan Les Arc, known as the Paradis Ski. Those are the two. Uh, oh, and Port de Soleil, actually, yes, those are the top three selling.
0: Okay, well, I'll uh, uh, I'll put a link to uh, wipe out in the uh, show notes, and listen, if you're looking for uh, an alternative to that paper map, which they can get uh, a little bit wet or crunched up. Normally, what happens with me is, if I'm going to a resort that um, I'm less sure of, I you know if i'm on my own i tend to not bother with piece maps too much i'll just ski around and you know work it out as i go along but if i do have the responsibility of guiding my family around or other people i will make sure that you know i've checked that we're not ending up on a run where the only option down is uh is black or something like that so i tend to have it in my pocket during the week and it just in the corners where uh you know you folded it down that's where it wears away and then you end up with a little hole in the middle of the piece map we think well what was happening there? So. That sounds like the, uh, the solution uh, to that. So thanks very much. Now, listener, you may have listened to our previous episode, uh, which is snowboard uh, special, and one of the uh, conversations that cropped up on that, uh, Luke Grease was saying he he rarely feels confident enough to to rent a snowboard. Well, that immediately made me want to call up my friend uh, Chris Moran. Uh, Chris was one of the UK top snowboarders uh, back in the day. We actually have a special interview with him. With, uh, I'll put a link to in the show notes. But currently, he represents Intersport Ski Hire in the UK. So I was interested to hear what he had to say about the merits of hiring a snowboard versus uh, buying. So let's have a listen to that. Right, I'm here with uh, Chris Moran. Regular listeners uh, will know Chris. Uh, We uh, had a special episode with him a while ago. He used to be uh, one of the uh, leading snowboarders in the UK and now uh, representing Intersport Ski Hire in the UK. Now, we did our snowboarding special uh, a couple of weeks ago. and One of the things that cropped up was about snowboard hire uh, in the Alps. And I wanted to ask you about that. I guess the specific issue that uh, Luke uh, and Sam mentioned was that perhaps it was only a good idea to hire a snowboard if you were going to a snowboard-specific resort. I wondered what you thought about that in the context of, of intersport.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand that. I understand that thinking. I mean, in fairness, they're probably about right. We could upgrade the snowboard... Offering and it could be better than it currently is we need it. We need to match the ski offering the ski offering is really amazing uh, You know if you if you're a, if you're a skier, you can go out You can get powder skis carving skis freestyle skis every type of ski that matches the conditions now We're not there with the snowboard offering uh, for every shop some shops in the snowboard specific places, so in your Meyerhoffens, Larks would be a good one, Verbier's, you know, you're going to get good snowboards in those resorts. In France it would be Avoriaz, Morzine, Chamonix. You can imagine, you know, the places where you're going to find a lot of snowboarders, you're going to get a good snowboard offering. Um, we did a few years ago have the Nitro Q series which was shaped by an American pro snowboarder called Austin Smith. These were really amazing snowboards. Uh, we should have built on that. So it will get better. The one thing I would say is that my advice would basically be, wherever you're gonna go, call the shop and check what they've got. Because if you're after you know, a Burton board, that's 155, that does everything. Every shop's got those, okay? That's, you know, the, the offering there is, is good. If you're six foot four and you've got a size 12 feet and you want a
0: powder board, <laughs> call them because they might not have that specific board but some do and and so if you're booking then it's the same kind of principle as booking skis you've got your kind of three grades sort of a beginner intermediate uh, expert and you can book within that range and then when you're yeah. out in resort uh, adapt what you get accordingly
3: yeah exactly so if you get you know the top of the range then you can you can swap and choose everything that's in the shop with for no charge if you buy the bottom of the range or the cheapest then there might be an upgrade fee for if you want, say, a powder board or if, it, if you get there and you're lucky enough that it, you know, it dumps loads of snow. I mean, you know, if, if we've got snowboarders, get in touch with us on the Facebook page because it's it's generally me and my team that are answering it and we know a lot about snowboarding. So, you know, we happily put people in the right direction. Um, and and
0: the same principle applies in that, obviously, if you're hiring a snowboard, then you don't have to pay any uh, uh, carriage on the uh, well, yeah, airline. Exactly,
3: exactly. I mean, you know, there are... I'm not going to say that the snowboard range is bad because it's not at all. I mean, you know, we've got Salomon, Burton, you know, these are new boards and they're good boards, but the offering isn't as good as the full, you know, essentially we've got the full quiver of skis. So every type of ski you, you, we've got, we don't have that for every shop in every you know in, in all of the network for snowboards but we certainly do have it in some of the shops
0: yeah and if you booked uh you know mid-range uh, then you could upgrade when you're in resort yeah exactly exactly so
3: you know if you just go for the cheapest and then when you get there if you think that's the board i want to take out because when you're in the shop you know you can just talk to the people that are there you know what it's like it's just racks of, of, of equipment just say you know i'd really what's that lift like what's that board like i'd l- love to try that the shops will they've got so much kit you know that they'll happily let you take different boards out uh, and it's good kit it's new kit and yeah you're right you know you won't be paying for the hundred quid
0: board bag there
3: and back on the plane yeah
0: okay excellent well i'll stick a link into the uh, show notes but uh, in sportrent.com is where people would go to uh, to make their bookings yeah all right, that's great, Chris. Thanks very much. Thank you. I enjoy all feedback about the show. So um, I'd really appreciate it if you wanted to give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That always helps uh, other listeners find us. And if you do want to get in contact, you can do so uh, via social. We're at The Ski Podcast everywhere. Or you can email uh, Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, since the last episode, getting a lot of feedback at the moment, I'll do my best to uh, mention them all, I should say that actually at the uh, Birmingham show, I did meet a number of our listeners, uh, Barnaby, Tony, Johnny, and Fix. Uh, but in front uh, via Facebook, uh, Rachel Frisby said, uh, the ski podcast is really good. I enjoy listening to it. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Nick Axton Rice said uh, the ski podcast is really good. Sounds like they've been uh, copying each other. They're looking over each other's shoulders. Sally on Facebook said, an absolute must listen for anyone uh, desperately waiting on the ski season to start. Uh, now, John Greenwood said, keep up the good work. He also mentioned Voss, and I'm hoping, which is a ski resort in Norway, uh, listener, I'm hoping to do a special about Norway uh, later this winter. So we will come back to Voss in a due course. Uh, Matt Hayes was also at the ski show. Uh, he said, great review of the show. Really enjoyed the day and the live episode of the ski podcast. We actually did ski podcast live. had uh, Mike Richards uh, join me, Sophie Ibbotson. And Rook from uh, Heliski, Albania. That was really interesting to talk about some off-the-beaten-track destinations. And uh, I think we'll be featuring Uzbekistan this winter as well. I'm going to get Sophie back onto the show because that was really interesting to hear about that. Uh, Raymond Kahn sent me an email. He said, I, I really enjoyed the podcast episode 96 about Chamonix. It got me excited about our February uh, 2023 uh, trip. And uh, Raymond, I've sent you an email in answer to some of your questions uh, there. And finally, one more that came in by email, which is from Mark uh, Davis. who said, Thank you for another great ski podcast. My children, who are nine and 10, and I listened to it last night as we drove back down the M6 from a ski futures event in Kendall. Uh, They always enjoy the ski podcast uh, and are slightly obsessed with these slopes. We love the show. Uh, Always look forward to an episode and dream of the places uh, that we can go to. Uh, So that is great to hear that possibly your children, Mark, are our youngest listeners at uh, 9 and 10. And I also, I noted your comments about motorhomes. Uh, And the UK dry slope scene, and I hope to cover all of those as well. There's so many different areas that I find really interesting. I love putting together these podcasts, and uh, hopefully, we can cover them all uh, in due course. Uh, If you, if you listener, do want to do something that would support the podcast, there's two things that would help. I mentioned reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, that's great, or Spotify. And if you are enjoying the podcast, you can always buy me a coffee if you want to. I've got a cup of tea uh, here right now. I don't actually drink coffee. But if you go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast, you can buy me a coffee there. Now, uh, don't forget we have 158 other episodes to catch up on. Uh, Normally, you get about 75 to 100 listened to every week. Uh, You can follow me uh, at Skipedia and the podcast at the Ski Podcast. But for now, I'd like to thank Le trois for sponsoring the show. And I'd like to thank my guest today. Julie, thank you.
2: Thanks for having me, Ian. It's been great.
0: It's a pleasure. And Gethin, thank you. Thanks, Ian. And finally, listener, thank you for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Don't forget that if you want to support the podcast, then remember to book your ski hire with Intersport and use the code SKIPODCAST or simply take the link in the show notes. It'll save you money and help us too. Thanks again and have a great winter.